Joshua chapter number 1. And uh, we are going to uh, start reading at verse number 1. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 1. And uh, if you will, as you're turning there, stand with us tonight for the reading of God's Word. Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to start reading in verse number 1. And uh, here over the last couple of, uh, couple of Wednesday nights, along with our sermon series here on biblical foundations, we've been looking at uh, the fact that the Word of God teaches us that we can have and should have and daily walk in a victorious life. And so we have been looking at what this means. What does it mean for us as believers to walk uh, victoriously? And we're going to touch base on a couple of these things. But tonight, this is our text. And so we're going to read this. And, and it might seem a little bit out of place, if you will. But if you'll bear with me, I believe that as we get to, get to all of this, you're going to see where it all comes together and understand uh, what I believe the Lord would have to say to us tonight. Amen. Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 1. If you're there with me, would you say amen? Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land. Which I swear, in other words, I promised unto the fathers, their fathers, to give them. Only, this is a condition, only be thou strong and very courageous. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever or wherever you go. Amen. Tonight, if we can, for just a few moments, I want to preach here in this sermon series on this thought. And again, it might sound a little strange, but bear with your pastor for a little bit. Amen. But I want to preach on the echoes of victory. Amen. The echoes of victory. 
Let's pray one more time. Ask the Lord to help us. Father, once again, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness tonight, every heart, every life. And I pray your anointing, Lord, that we would hear what you have to say. Let our hearts receive it and apply it. Lord, because we know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Lord, help us, I pray, as we break the bread of life together tonight, that we receive, we're nourished, encouraged, challenged, and changed. Anoint my mind and lips to preach, Lord, with clarity. And Lord, that you might be heard and seen. We thank you in advance for what you'll do in these altars. And we give you all the praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. Echoes of victory. As I said, over the last couple of Wednesday nights, we have been talking about the biblical truth, the foundational principle. This is what I want you to understand is when we use the term biblical foundation, we're looking not only when we talk about something being biblical, we understand it to be true. I had heard the other day on the radio a statistic as to where there's somewhere in the vicinity of 60 to 70 percent of those in the United States who still claim to be Christians. That number has declined and deteriorated. Used to, we were up somewhere in the 80 plus percentile. But the alarming thing was this, is that out of that 60 to 70 percent, and actually that statistic leaned more towards 60 percent of those who claim to be Christians, to have an idea of God or a love for God or to say that they serve God, there were only 9% of those who believed that God's word was without a doubt absolutely true. Isn't that something? That only 9% of that number uh, that would uh, believe that the word of God is without error, that it is infallible, that it is the inspired word of God. And so we have those that claim certain things and yet there is no biblical basis for their claim. They have no idea. They still wander in darkness. They are still uh, grappling for any fragment, any piece of, of what there might be in regards to things that are eternal. And uh, one of the things that we've been saying over and over in this sermon series is the fact that why we continue to look at and refer to the Word of God is because you cannot be spiritual without being biblical. Amen. As a matter of fact, you will only be as spiritual as you are biblical. And we have folks today that are looking to be spiritual. They want to sound spiritual, want to act spiritual, want to present themselves as spiritual, but trying to do it outside of the Word of God. Sometimes this is hinged upon denomination. Sometimes this is hinged upon the personality of their pastor, the one in the pulpit. Some it is hinged upon the identity of their church in the community, what their church does, what social programs, what different things that they hang their hat upon. There are some that are only looking at spirituality based upon uh, the remnants of resume, pedigree, those 
those in their family who walked with God, those in their family who served God, those maybe that they have been connected to or who they know, maybe a personal friend uh, who is uh, uh, somebody who serves in a church. It's, uh, it's, uh, you never can really tell as to where, where somebody is looking to attach themselves uh, to something that is quote-unquote spiritual, and yet uh, it is not biblical. And so we've been looking at these things, and a part of this foundational truth that we look at and that we've been preaching on here in these last couple of weeks is the fact that it is biblical because, uh, and it is spiritual because it's biblical in the fact that we can, as children of the Lord, that we can live a victorious Christian life. That we can walk with God consistently and courageously each and every day. And we can do this and we can gain ground, amen, over the adversary. With God's help, we are able to bring this flesh under subjection, to crucify it daily on an altar of prayer, to submit ourselves under the Word of God and the Lordship of Christ and allow the Holy Ghost his leadership and his authority amen in our daily walk amen in our daily conversation in our daily activities I want you to understand and what we've been preaching is the fact is that God has promised victory for us that God wants you to walk in victory he has provided for us to walk in victory and that we can amen live in such a way that we are no longer bound or entangled with the things of this world, but we are living holy. And when I use the term holy there, I'm using it in the sense of completely. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Not only holy, but also holy, H-O-L-Y, in the fact that in being like Christ and transformed into the image of God, that completely and totally brother hemp hill that if i allow him to do so he can work in the entirety of my life and yours amen one of the things that we have been talking about is the fact that too many times that we are living from moment to moment of victory Service to service. Boy, that was a great service. And this was a great time. That was a great revival. That was a wonderful time at the altar. That was a, I remember that camp meeting from way back when. Or I remember this. And I've said, I am not yet saying those things to negate those memories. Thank God for those memories. Thank God for those services. Thank God for those messages. Thank God for those moves of the Spirit. However, we do not have have to just be looking for another moment of where we can lay hold of victory there. But Sister Phillips, God wants us not just looking from moment to moment, but understand that every day in our walk with Him, we can have, we can capture, we can walk and live in a victorious frame of mind and our spirit. Amen. 
We can do so with the help of the Lord. We have been reading and we have been preaching in regards of the fact, amen, that in this, in regards to victorious living, is that the child of God is promised victory through Christ. And uh, we have seen that over and over in the Word of God as to where these promises, they stand and remain true. We come to find that in God's Word we see various principles at work. There are principles uh, that coincide with the promises of the Word of God. Things such as sowing and reaping. The Word of God says that, uh, that uh, God is not mocked. Amen. But that whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Amen. And as regard, we see that in our lives, and a lot of times, this scripture is a lot of times preached or only associated with financial terms. We hear it preached a lot in regards to the tithe. And yes, there's truth about that financially. But this encapsulates so much more than just money. It is in regards to everything about us. Sister June daily, as we are walking with our words and with our actions and with our attitudes, you may not realize it or recognize it, but you are sowing seed all around you. I, a couple Sundays back, I had the illustration and I talked about the words as seeds, but this goes in our words and our attitudes and our walk. We are sowing seed and God says the things that you sow, you are going to reap it. And so therefore when we take a look at the promises of God's word, we come to find that when he promises victory, when he says I'm going to go before you, when he says that I'm going to lead you, when he says that through me you are made more than a conqueror, when he says that in, in him that we have a new life in him Paul declared and said I've been crucified with Christ we've been preaching there and he said nevertheless I live he said yet not I but Christ that lives within me when we've been preaching and talking about old things are passed away and behold all things have become new that I am a new creation a new creature in Christ sister Anna I've been identified in his crucifixion I've been identified in his baptism and we are identified in his resurrection and can I remind you tonight church if God has promised these things to us if he has said and declared in his word that it is for us to have and walk in then friends we one more time need to set ourselves to grab a hold of the word of God and begin to believe and say it's mine it's mine Blessed be the name of the Lord. It is mine. And I can live in that place. I can operate in that place. I can serve in that place. I can walk in that place. Well, Brother Jake, we could too if all we had to do was hang around the church all day long. We could too if all we did was get paid to preach. We could too if, all, if our life just revolved around ministry things. But you don't understand, Brother Jake. You don't know the men that I got to go to work with. You don't know, Brother Jake, the obstacles in my family. You don't know about how the enemy fights and all the things that are going on. You don't know right now about some of the experiences and challenges that I am up against. Well... Uh, believe it or not, I do. I understand. I'm human 
like you. There's good days and bad days like you. There's struggles like you. There's things I don't understand like you. Amen. But 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and 58, this is something we had, we had said a couple of services back, but let me remind you tonight. It said, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. How do we get the victory? It goes on to say, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We said last week in the fact that as a part of a promised victory that our Lord has exposed the enemy. We preached on the enemy exposed. We took a look at what his position is. We made mention of the fact that he is a pretender. And what I mean by that, he is a liar, the father of lies. The word of God said, Brother Marvin, that from the beginning, he was a murderer and a liar. The word of God said, he is a thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That he is as a lion that seeketh whom he may devour. Paul said, he's also like an angel of light. And it transforms and he manipulates and he moves within shadows and he moves within areas of deceitfulness in order, amen, to try to deceive God's people. He understands the vulnerable places of humanity. He understands he's been a studious adversary. He has watched and studied and he's seen. And I can assure you tonight that he wholeheartedly delights in and is hoping for your utter demise. He is hoping for and he has a bloodlust in hoping that it's you that is destroyed. That it is your family and mine. That it's my daughter and yours. That it's your grandchildren and those across the aisle of the church. He wants to see, I believe more than ever before, to the doors of churches such as this one. That the lights are turned out and the locks put on the door and somebody throws away the key because nobody wants to gather because there's been divisiveness because there's been a lackadaisical attitude and nobody supports the work of the kingdom or the church any further understand these are the plans of the enemy oh can I tell you tonight as you go to bed hell is strategizing how brother Michael you will fall in the morning Try to get you to pull the rug out from under you. Sister Anna, to produce enough stress in your life that maybe, just maybe, it'll look enticing to turn your back and run back to the world. I want to tell you whether you're 8, 18, or 88, the enemy is after you. But the Word of God said the enemy has been exposed. I want you to know that God has loved us enough to say, I'm going to show you who he is. And I'm going to reveal his playbook. And I'm going to remind you he's a liar. I'm going to remind you he's been cut down. I'm going to remind you that hell is his home. The lake of fire is his punishment. Come on here. Oh, the very place that we're headed to, he's been kicked out of. He's not allowed the very thing that we do here tonight in worshiping the Lord, that's what he used to do. 
but now he doesn't. Come on, somebody. The enemy has been exposed. And in this, I want you to understand, the Word of God brings exposure of the enemy. His future is foretold. Defeat is his future. Hell, as I said, his home. And so, therefore, when we know we've been promised the victory, when the enemy has been exposed, what are we left to do, Brother Eli? What are we left to do? Some would say, well, Brother Jake, and those couple of things sounds like enough for me. But the truth of the matter is, though we know these things, sometimes applying these things is different completely and entirely. Sometimes we can hear something, but have you ever been at a place when you've been told something over and over? Maybe it's a procedure of a way to do something. You know, working in the, in the school, there's times that you stand over a, a student's desk and they're staring blankly at an algebra problem. Nothing will help you pray harder than an 8th, ninth grader somewhere in there who's working on algebra. You're not only wanting to pull their hair out, but your hair out too. Amen. And you're trying, and there's been things, and there's certain things, certain aspects, certain, there's certain protocols, there are certain patterns, there are certain things that in math, Sister Linda, they never change. And I've seen, a, I've seen a student who stared at an algebra problem so long that when there was simple multiplication involved, and, and they're looking at two times two, they're just drawing a blank. They, they learned it in the third grade, but they don't, right now they don't know it because they're just completely lost. They're overwhelmed. And, I, and it's funny sometimes how you can sit there and you can explain a process. You can explain a procedure. And Brother Keith, you can do it 10, 15 different ways, hoping that one time it's going to catch. And finally, by the grace of God, finally Mars and Jupiter and Pluto all aligned. Amen. And finally that student says, oh, I get it now. Oh, I understand it now. Hallelujah. You've aged 20 years, but they got it now. Hallelujah. Oh, your blood, your blood pressure done, done skyrocketed, but you have, they have learned it now. It's coming. And it maybe for you it's not algebra. Maybe for you it was something else as to where the light came on, where finally it clicked, where finally it sunk in. And I want to say that tonight, church, in the fact that we can see in the world of God we've been promised victory we can see in the word of God the enemy has been exposed but we are a generation we are a people where it seems like though we know it though it's been preached we can sing about it we can have a sermon series we can go through all the things and sometimes it just don't click sometimes we're still looking at a place as to where because we're in the middle of a fight because we're in the middle of a bad experience because we are warring and being tempted with sin because there is struggle we get down we get depressed we get discouraged we are thinking somewhere God forgot us oh but tonight friends I want to let you know no matter how hot hell is breathing down your neck no matter how bad the enemy's been fighting it does not change the word of God. It does not change his promise. But may we grab a hold of the truth. 
And may we apply it. Why? Why the thought echoes of the past? I want you to understand is that we are at a dangerous place when it comes to in regards in regards to the warfare that we're in in regards to the places of victory that God wants to take us. And why I say we're in a dangerous place is that because for the most part anytime there's a sign of struggle where there's a sign of pain when there's a sign of conflict where there's a sign of hardship, tribulation, I understand it's natural, but we are geared to want to run away from it. As a matter of fact, I will dare to say that there are more in this church age now who do not know how to walk through and work through and pray through and fight through these experiences like our generation. We have more that give up and quit. We have more that are in and out of the church. We have more as to where there is any sign of trouble. Their whole world, their whole relationship with God is falling apart. And I just want to say tonight as lovingly as I can, God did not intend for you to fall apart, fold and buckle every time you are challenged. God did not do the work that he did on Calvary's cross. Amen. Christ did not give his life, shed his blood. Amen. Die and rise again on the third day so that we find ourselves weak in mind, weak in spirit, weak in conversation, weak in conviction, weak in prayer. Oh, understand, friends. I want to tell you tonight, when we take a look at the word, of God. We see men and women who are absolutely mutilated for their faith. Their bodies torn asunder. Their bodies boiled in oil. Crucified on crosses. Cut asunder. Fed to lions. Ostracized. Starved and stoned to death. And today if something comes along and rocks our boat a little bit oh bless God we done think heaven closed its door and God closed his eyes and God hates us. Friends, I'm going to tell you, Paul, who is believed to be the writers of Hebrews, Brother Gary, he said in Hebrews 11 about those that I just named, he said they, some of them lived in caves, some of them were clothed in animals' hair, and said the world didn't know their name, but in the same right, he said the world was not worthy of them, but they knew how to walk in victory and persevere in faith. Come on here. Come on here. Persecution, trial, tribulation. I know that today we now have been granted thanks be to God, but you'd better do your best to uphold them because those liberties we have are being challenged every day. Being challenged every day. We saw, and I'm not trying to, Brother Jake, don't ever take the approach, the political approach. I keep it biblical. But I will say this, is that there were things that many Americans thought that they, we would never do, 
would never participate in, would never go along with until a pandemic came along. Some we could we could raise our American flags and we could pump our fist in the air and bless God we're Texans. This is the home state of Davy Crockett and the Alamo and all. I mean we could do all those things, but we found very quickly in a matter of weeks, churches were closed. I spent over a month preaching to empty pews through a camera. Come on here. And we can say all that we want to, and we can talk real big. But I will tell you right now that we are, the church is in a state, and the mindset of humanity is in a state as to where, no wonder, I used to hear preaching about the end of the days and the rise of the Antichrist, and people that would receive the mark of the beast, and they would enslave themselves to that, to that image and to that Antichrist, and they would, they would forsake the things of God. And I remember as a boy and even as a young man thinking how in the world can that happen the pandemic proved to me very quickly it'll change in a moment if those things can change that fast I promise you because we are now a people no longer conditioned to rise and stand oh to stand for righteousness and hold fast to the truth of God's word because it shows up in our daily life Excuses that we can't be faithful. Reasons why we can't live holy. Excuses and justifications as to why we must, we have to sin as if you are forced to do it. Echoes of victory. I'm afraid, church, to report to you the fact that I'm afraid that much of the victory that is discussed today is not due to personal victory. But it is victory that is looked upon through the chambers of time. We're looking at the victories. We're looking at the God of those who we held in high regard. Those who paved the way. We look at the God of those that we admire. And we, whether it be someone in the Bible or someone in our family. Sister Mary was sharing with me. And Brother Marvin also has shared with me stories of their mama. She, they said she was a praying woman, said a godly woman. There was many stories that they were sharing about her. What a wonderful heritage. What a rich legacy that it is. And we can take a look and we can talk about and we see the, we hear the messages of great men of God like Brother Clinton and Brother Robert Turnage, Brother Charles Turnage. I've got people in my family, Brother Danny, family that I know are in heaven today. My Granny Merle and my Papa Raymond, my Papa Jerry and my Granny Great. These were people in my life who were anchors. They were those. I watched them as a kid serve God. I watched them when they were tired in body. They'd fight the flesh Sister Mary and still get to the church house. I remember, I'm not so, I'm not so young that I don't remember Sister Linda. I, 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 we never, I never asked Papa on a Wednesday or a Sunday, are we going to church tonight? You didn't think I'd go there, but I'm going to go there. We 
going to go to church? Are we going to do this? Are we going to? It was never a question. That's what we was going to do. Papa sometimes be running. I mean, 45 minutes up till to get home, get a shower, eat dinner, change his clothes, and we was going to go. I never saw him on a Wednesday night. I never saw him kick his boots off and say, Nadine, I'm sorry. I'm too tired. I'm too wore out. And I knew he was tired. I knew he was wore out. He'd come in from logging out in the woods. I saw him time and again, Brother Hemphill, but he never made his way to the living room. He never sank down in that lazy boy. And I wonder why, Brother Marvin, it wasn't because it wasn't his favorite chair. It was his chair. It was his It was his recliner. Everybody in the house knew what Papa's chair was. But you know what the difference was, Brother Danny? He wasn't going to give himself time or space to get settled in there and look up at us and say, we ain't going to make it, folks. No, sir. No, ma'am. Oh, I know I'm stepping on some toes. I know some of you are prickly right now and porcupiney. And you're saying, well, Brother Jake, you ought to take it easy on us. We're your Wednesday night group. But I'm going to tell you, I'm saying all this to say this. If we're not careful, all we're doing is we're looking at the victories of our mamas and daddies. We're looking at the victories of grandmas and grandpas. We're looking at the victories of Brother Clinton and Brother Turnage. We're looking at the victories of this one and that one. And I say it for myself. And Brother Eli, I thank God for the voices of the past. I thank God for their testimonies. I thank God for what it means and the legacy. But I cannot have victory on the voices that echo from yesteryear. I've got to have victory today. I've got to have a walk with God that'll keep me right now. Oh, if all you've got is the ability to point your finger to 20 years ago, you've got a problem. If that's all you got, you've got a problem. Now, before you get offended and leave this church and everybody starts talking about, Brother Jacob, don't appreciate heritage. Brother Jacob, don't appreciate legacy. He's just a young whippersnapper, thinks he knows everything. Before you leave here and start saying that lie, that mess, hear me clearly. Hear me clearly. The Word of God, now if I can, let's connect a few dots. The Word of God, Joshua chapter 1, starts with this. Moses, the servant of the Lord, was dead. Was dead. He's gone. The Bible called him the meekest man to live. He led a generation out of the greatest exodus. Brother Jerry, it could be argued that the miracles that Moses saw and God wrought through him were probably even of greater prestige than the miracles that the early church witnessed. I never read where the apostle Paul stood at the Red Sea and it parted. I never saw where Timothy, James, or John were fed every morning by manna and quail. I never read where Titus or Philemon wore shoes and clothes that never grew old or wore out. Moses did. 
I know there could be contentious argument. I know that there could be these things. But Joshua chapter 1, on the cusp of the children of Israel, that they are going to step into the promised land. Brother Gary, the land that Moses told them about, the promise and the covenant of God, what they had been waiting for, they were on the precipice. They were going to be crossing over. But it starts with this dismal news. Moses is dead. And to drive the point home, when God has conversation with Joshua, in case Joshua forgot, he reminded Joshua too. He said, Joshua, he's dead. He's dead. I want you to understand something tonight. There's nothing wrong. We need to honor heritage. We need to love legacy. Embrace it. We can learn from it. I, you know me, I, I, I didn't come into this church and throw all the things that you've had preached and said, I didn't throw it out the door, did I? I didn't. I've honored it. I've loved it. I feel honored to be a part of it. But here's what I know, Brother Marvin, as much as you loved your mama, you cannot live in the victory that echoes from her past. Can't do it. Brother Gary, he was your brother, and you loved him, and he's in heaven tonight. But you cannot have victory in your life or for your children or grandchildren off the echoes of victory from the past. Something's got to be done now. Somebody shout now. I've got to serve God now. I've got to live for him now. I've got to yield to him now. I've got to pray now. And nothing ruffles this preacher's feathers more than when there's a group of folks that'll sit back in a pew when the Spirit of God's moving. People are praying. People are weeping. You won't even dare get up and go pray with somebody. And all you can talk about is the good old days and yesteryear. Church, I'm here to tell you, it's time to get off our blessed assurance and get in the altar for ourselves. And if you're good, if you're walking in victory, then Brother Steve, there's a young man, I promise you, that needs you to pray with him. Sister Sandy, there's a young lady in the house, I promise you, that needs you to get behind him and seek God with him. Because we need victory today, right now, there's a real hell, a real enemy. And I can't afford to think that it's only there in the past. Jesus made reference to this before everybody's been out of shape and you think I'm going too far. I better remind you what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? Because there were so many, rightfully so, who were looking at all the things that he did. And they was talking about signs and wonders and miracles. And this is what Jesus told him, Brother Drew. Do you remember when he said, These things and greater shall you do. These things and greater. The life and ministry of Jesus, roughly 33 and a half years. 
And we now today, it's 2023, well over 2,000 years later, Brother Jerry, and the church is still marching on. The church, there are still folks being saved. There are still folks being healed. There are still folks being delivered. There are still folks being filled with the Holy Ghost. There are still demons being cast out. There are still strongholds that are being broken. Sister Anna, there are still folks that are laying aside every weight and sin and saying I don't want nothing keeping me from him I want to get closer I want to go deeper I want to draw near and so can I tell you we are seeing the fruition of the fact these things and greater but yet when we start touching the sacred cows in our lives everybody gets offended well it can't be greater than back in 1986 it can't be greater than da-da-da-da-da. According to God's word, it can. And it will. You know what I love? You know what encourages me? You take a brother like Brother Gary. Amen. 37. I mean 73. Been around a little while. He's seen a few things. He's been. He's traveled. He's been with these, some of these men of God that I'm talking about. And when he will sit across from me in my office on an early Sunday morning... And say, Pastor, I believe we're going to see even greater. That does something to the pastor's heart. Come on here. There's plenty of folks that just want to echo the voice of victory from the past. Listen, and I'm trying to hurry. Man, I've still got 15 minutes. I'm doing good. No, I'm seriously... Getting in the vicinity of closing. Listen. A generational leader is gone. That's the declaration. Moses led him. A generation has died in the wilderness. A new generation comes forward. I want you to notice. After the announcement to Joshua. When he said Moses my servant is dead. Listen to what he says. And I think this is interesting. There are, and just let your pastor talk for a minute. There are a lot of ideas and commentary as to the reasons why God buried Moses. The word of God tells us that God buried Moses. Do you remember in scripture where even Satan came to contend the body of Moses? God buried him. Now, there are all kinds of ideas and thoughts and teachings, and I do not claim to be smarter or more wise than any of these theologians or Bible com these com men who are common commentaries. But here's what I think. I think that God had to take care of that body of Moses because if not, the children of Israel would have tried to memorialize it and worship it. And look at it. Hear what I'm saying? Because if there's one thing that we love to do, we love to memorialize. And so I believe God says, I've got to take care of Moses. I've got to move that out of the way so that these people will go on to the promised land. Because maybe, Sister Mary, in their memory of Moses, they would have never left the wilderness. 
Because for over 400 years they had been perfectly content in Egypt. They have spent 10% of the time in the wilderness. 40 years. 400 in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness. But if they were allowed to have memorialized Moses, they probably would have spent another 400 years. Because they couldn't get away from the fact that their generational leader was gone. Listen, this is what he says. God took care of the body. God took care of Moses. God announced the death certificate. And then he says this. Now arise. Get up. Get up from where you're at. Get up from what you're doing. Get up from the crying. Get up from the sadness. He said, arise, go over this Jordan. I've got victory for you. I've got a promised land for you. But I need you now, Joshua. You need your experience. You, Joshua, and this generation, you need your own victory. It would have been very easy for Joshua to hang his hat on everything Moses did. But we find in Joshua chapter 1 that God gives clear distinction to Joshua. He says, you're now the leader. You now have to have this experience. You now have to fight battles. You now have to lead this people. Joshua was a minister of Moses's. Joshua had interactions with the people. But I'm going to tell you, when Joshua took up this mantle, there was a brand new burden and a brand new set of parameters that Joshua had never known of before because he was still in the shadow of Moses. I'm going to tell you something. When we look at those that we love, and I look across this room, and I know that there are those of you, you've got testimonies of people who you love, people who are great, people who are godly, people who are wonderful. And again, I'm not here bashing or negating any of those things. But you now have to arise. Anna, the daddy is not here. He's gone. And all the things that he ever hoped for you, you're living it right now. You have got to arise. You've got a Jordan to cross. He's already done it. You've got to do it now. Got to do it now. Sister Bambi, Sister Thibodeau's finished her race. Got to do it now. Got to do it now. He said, arise and go over this Jordan. Notice what he said. He said, be strong and courageous. It's going to take some guts, Tobin. It's going to take some time. A couple of Sundays back, I told you all the story of I remember when my parents drove off and I'm standing on the front porch of that house in Livingston, Texas. We're getting ready to embark on our first ministry assignment 14 hours from home. There were some that would say, Jacob Smith, when did you become a man? Well, by law, it was at 18. By caring for another soul... It was at nearly 19 when I married my bride. But I promise you, I grew up real fast and can say I really had to become a man 
when now everybody I knew and loved was such a long way away. And Brother Hemphill no longer was it Mama or the God of my father-in-law or my mother-in-law or the home church or all the safety of those things. But Sister Gloria, now it was time for me and my wife to arise and go and cross the Jordan that God had for us. I want to tell you, child of God, Brother Danny, Sister Carolyn, if you'd come. I want to tell you tonight, it is not enough. It is not enough. Thank God for those before us. But God told Joshua more than once. He told him a few times, if you read the whole chapter, be strong. Matter of fact, a couple times he even said, and I read it there, he said, be very courageous. Going to take some tenacity, Eli, when your family don't back you. When your extended family thinks you're a little bit crazy. It's going to take some, it's going to take some guts, Brother Michael, when you don't necessarily have a real tight circle of people that just champion you on. Matter of fact, you've had more that scratched their head and wondered at you in the last several years than probably who celebrated you. Preston, you've been down at the border and you've been, you're making a career. You're a young man now. Going to come a day, going to come a time of Jesus tarries. Paul, Paul ain't going to be sitting by you. Well, Brother Jacob, you are just downright being morbid. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm speaking in the experience of the fact that there comes a point in time. You've got to do this for yourself on your own. You've got to arise and cross the Jordan. You've got to be courageous and you've got to be strong. And not only that, but we come to find, listen to what else God told Joshua. He said, everything that I told Moses, he said, it's for you too. You know what God was saying there, Brother Tobin? I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to honor my promise. He told him, he said, wherever your foot touches, he said, I'm going to give you the land. Whatever. Wherever you go, he said, you're going to face the enemies of Israel, the Hittites, the Jebusites. There was all kinds of ites in the land. And we come to find as to where every time. Listen, Moses had the Red Sea. Joshua had the walls of Jericho. Moses had manna. Joshua had milk and honey. Moses had the wilderness. Joshua had the promised land. Moses had tents and tabernacles. Joshua had houses that they didn't build. Come on here. The list goes on and on. God was saying, Brother Segura, we've got to arise. You can't look at the victory of yesterday. Victory is yours today. But the same God, this is what's beautiful about it, is the same God that worked for them it's the same God that works for us today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can we bow our heads all over this place? Father, I thank you tonight for your faithfulness. And I thank you, Lord, for each and every one here. Lord, tonight there are some that may be in a place of struggle. Maybe in a battle. Maybe there's things come up against. Maybe there's things on the horizon. And Lord, we thank God for heritage. 
We thank God for legacy. We thank God for what you've done. And Lord, your promises remain true. The things that you did and even greater is, is reward for those of us today. Lord, as we will accept it, pursue it, embrace it. But Lord, I pray tonight, forgive us when we have held on and we try to base our living on the echoes of victory of the past. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand and realize there's victory for us today. Victory over sin. Victory in our conversations. Victory in our thoughts. Victory in our homes and marriages. Victory for our children. They're going to be hard fought. They're going to be difficult on some days. But Lord, I pray you'd help us to be strong and courageous. I pray you'd help us, Lord, that we'd commit, God, that we want to see you and know you for ourselves. Father, I thank you. And I pray you challenge our hearts. Without further ado, I appreciate your patience in letting me preach this word tonight. If you'd say, Brother Jake, I want, need, desire, victory today. I need his help today. Maybe you've been at a point or a place. Giving up has looked appealing. Quitting has sounded convenient. Maybe your heart and mind scattered all over the place because your days have been difficult. But I want to remind you what the Word of God says. Be strong and courageous. Arise and go over this Jordan. There's victory for you today. If that's us, why don't we come and find ourselves a place?